0: listening to For The Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty.
1: I figured out what you mean. You have to do the magnesis will only work on the ball that's flipping over when there's that part that looks like a symbol or an eye kind of thing. That's what it's latching onto, probably, right?
2: Anything that's be- not behind the light screen should be able to do it. The problem is, is the light screen can be hard to see, and so your magnesis might be clipping it.
1: No, no, no. I'm talking about the uh, that that single big one that has the spikes on it. And I'm yeah, you side. still got a light screen. Yeah. Okay, because I didn't. Uh, Damn it, I'm going to have to try it. Uh, okay. Because okay. the way I got
2: around <laughs> it is I like I literally just magnesis it and then slammed it into the top of his head, and it was one of the most satisfying things ever. Okay, that's what I'll
1: try. From that, people, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is still playing Breath of the Wild a lot, and I had actually bought my copy of it hell, prior to when I got my Switch, and it was just kind of sitting around waiting for me. And then I'd been so busy with a lot of stuff, and knowing full well that this game will suck all the time out of my life, I figured I'd wait. And then with all of the clusterfucks going on with Destiny 2, which we'll get into some of that later, I suddenly have a lot more time. (laughs) So I decided, you know what? (laughs) Now's the time for a non-online game that is... Wonderful, whimsical, and just that I can dive into this world. So I started playing. And you were saying you're up over 400 hours on it between the Wii U and the Switch, right?
2: Maybe slightly less, but like I know for a fact that my first playthrough on the Wii U, the very, very first time I played the game, was probably close to like 60, 65 hours before I beat Ganon. Um, And then I tried to do another playthrough going through. Um trying to just explore and that was well over a hundred hours and like I did none of the, like the main quest type stuff. Um I was just going places and doing things and now I'm actually going through an attempt at a hundred percent playthrough on the Switch. That's nuts.
1: That, Man, is, that, that's that's gonna take you a long fucking time. It, oh my god.
2: It will. So, I mean, all main quests, all shrine quests, all 120 shrines, all of the DLC chests, um, all of the DLC 2 shrines, all of the Divine Beasts, all five of them, um, basically the whole shebang. So, it's just sort of one of those fun things, because this this game is one of those ones that, like, it's weird, because I hated Skyrim. Like, I just could not get into it, and I love this, and it's basically Zelda Skyrim, and, and... like, I, I just, I've taken to it. Like, I just, I absolutely love this game. And as well as things where, like, oh, I got 20 minutes to kill. I'll pop in and see if I can find, like, a new shrine or something.
1: I'm up over 65 hours myself now on it, which shows you just how much I've been playing this. Like, it, basically, as soon as I had finished um, Life is Strange before the storm, I jumped into this. And that's all I've oh, been yeah. doing for the most part. And it's because it's so fucking good that... I don't want to stop, and like I was telling you uh, in talk there, Tristan had been coming by and watching me periodically and really enjoying it, and, and I always know when he's really interested in the game because there'll come a point where he'll tell me, okay, I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> like, I'm going to be playing, so I don't want to know. And and then it's like, okay, great. So when we reached that point with this, it was like, oh, I'm so happy for you. It's actually like what you felt with me. Like, you were happy that I was playing and enjoying it so oh, yeah. much. And I think that, like, you're talking about Skyrim. I I firmly believe that the um, the the art style you use and also the, in this case, again, I go back to the, the whimsy that you use, goes so far in creating a world that you want to spend time in. I mean, especially these days, a fun game that you can immerse yourself and lose yourself in this this otherwise great little world that they got going on there. It's just a lot of fun. And this one is so well-crafted that you can take off anywhere and come upon different I keep going to the races for me because the landscape clearly is amazing. All of that is really cool. But the different races that you come across is, for me, what makes the game and really makes it feel like a Studio Ghibli movie. Because you have these whimsical creatures, be it the birds or the fish, and... And also then you have the, the race that is primarily female. I love their aesthetics as well because it's like really you got these, these fucking Amazons that will rip you to shreds That's as well. Gerda. Yeah, and then you got some of the others that are more, I don't want to say feminine, but you know what I mean, and, yeah. and not as many men, And, and which opens up some, some of the funnest questing that I've done. Has been there. That's been fantastic, but it's all of these elements when put together. Again, you have this. It to me, and, and Tristan agrees, and so does Karen. She's been watching me play as well here and there. It it has that feel of you're you're in a a, a Miyazaki show. You know, it does, it's not quite as as accurate as um, Nino Kuni was clearly because they did it, but here it's more. You can see the 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 really heavy influences of it. And that same fantastical uh, uh, storytelling that you see in Miyazaki and and characters that would fit if you just dropped them in Spirited Away or any number of films kind of thing. That goes a long way towards making it a world that you want to spend time in. It's not just about, man, those quests are awesome. Man, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how this works out for this race in this area and all that. It's it's so much more than that, and that's what is giving the game so much breath, because you got so much fucking things, so many different things that you can do that have fuck all to do with the questing at large. God, you gotta well, love that.
2: I mean, and I think that's part of it too, but it's, it's also like, I think part of it for me is its willingness to be irreverent in places too, because oh, yeah. Skyrim just took itself too fucking seriously, even... Even the the like the, I don't understand. There's like memes that come out of it, like the, the arrow to the knee thing, which is a reference to getting married, folks. Let's move on with our lives. But it, like there wasn't really just pure humor in the game. It was all like super serious and grimdark, and and the weight of the the world is resting on your shoulders. And like and I think that is how do I how do I phrase it like you look back at some of the older Elder Scrolls games and there was a lot of random humor elements. There was a lot of things that just felt like, okay, these could be real people. And Skyrim to me was just way too serious and dark. And then you go to Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and yes, there's this big serious overarching nature about it, um, but you go to these towns and these are just people. These are people living their lives. Like you go to the the one town, not Kakariko, the one after it, uh, Heteno, you go to Hateno Village, and the shopkeep greets you and takes you on a tour of the yeah. town. <laughs> and, like, that's great. And then, like, this little kid, like, finds this, you know, is sitting there staring at this, like, evil statue, and he's like, I'm going to watch it because I heard the stories, and this is going to do something weird. You just wait and see. And, like, it, it just it feels realer. And it sounds so weird to say, but, like, everybody's quirky. Or, or the guy that wants to tell the... Girl that runs the inn, that like he's super into her, but he's too scared to do it. So he's like, you know, maybe, maybe if somebody would find out, I could go do something. And then like these little tiny quests pop up all over the place for helping these people in their daily lives. And that's it. Cause it, yeah, they they understand that Ganon's a thing. They can see Hyrule Castle from where they are. They can see this giant swirling mass of, of, you know, evil energy. Shit, they've been dealing with it for a hundred years. They're used to bokoblins. They're used to moblins. They're used to, to Lionel's at this point and, and all this sort of weird shit that happens. And they're just living their lives and it just feels so much more natural. It,
1: yeah, no, I agree. And it is, it's, it's so well crafted that it's kind of like what you were saying there too earlier. If I talk, well, first of all, I talk to everybody. Oh yeah. You and, have to. and, While I always appreciate the lore in games and things like that, and I will talk to a lot of various NPCs or whatever to hear what they have to say, there comes a point in most games where I'm like, okay, I get the general gist of what those conversations are, I don't need to keep going now. So clearly, I wind up missing some things, and it's not like that for every single game, but that's... That's fine. This one here. Fuck. If if there's a kid, I'm talking to them. If somebody's sleeping, guess what? It's wake up time (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you might have a story to tell me. And if somebody says, hey, do you have time for a story? You're fucking right. I got time. I will get myself comfortable and you just lay on the charm because it's one after another where you're getting these fantastic little moments. Like you're talking about bumping into people with the, 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 uh, the little kid and whatnot. I loved the older woman that's behind the, um, uh, God damn it. The, the, the women only town. Um, Gruta. Yeah. That's yeah. behind where the praying statue is. Oh yeah. And you can go and talk to her and she is fantastic to chat with. And it's moments like that, that are, that make it so that, yeah, if, if I'm passing somebody, I don't care if you're a vendor, I can clearly tell you're a vendor but you might have a story there might be more going on here or whatever and i will talk to all of them and it's it rewards you because of that it's it's again i keep going back to this this concept of like what you just said like they're used to what's going on right now and and you kind of become not immune to it but you do become used to it because, again, yeah. you're spending so many hours in the game that it's just, oh, yeah, look, they're pretty pink colors. You know, I'll get to it eventually. And then you're just taking care of shit elsewhere. And some of the things justifiably will take you a while to do. And if you're an old-ass gamer like me, might take you even longer. But in my defense so far, I've I might have asked for help and tips but I've been doing it all myself. But there came a point today where I almost handed the control to Tristan and said, here, can you just fucking do this to me? <laughs> but overall the game is, it rewards you in so many different ways as well, because there are so many different ways of doing pretty much every single task in the game. If there's a fight somewhere, you can bet your, your, your bottom dollar that there's at least Two ways to finish that fight, and well, we were just chatting about it earlier too. When Mm -hmm. you were saying you're taking the hard way, and I was like, okay, well, I didn't see the other way clearly, and I kind of could see, but I was like, I don't want to be dropping and jumping from the top, so fuck that. So I went and finished it another way, anyways. But it's just one of those things where sometimes it's once you finish the fight, you look around and see something you hadn't spotted before, and you're like, oh, oh, I could have done that and that and that, and then it would have been a lot easier or whatever. And I adore that, that because that means that you're never bashing your head against a wall in a fight that you simply don't have the the aptitude to be able to complete. No, just figure out another way of doing it. Yeah, and that's one of the things I really like about it too. Is because
2: every puzzle has multiple solutions. There is, there's no wrong way really to do anything. And it, I've, while I'm not a speedrunner, I really like watching speedrunners and Zelda speedruns, particularly Breath of the Wild, has been sort of my jam since this game has come out because you look at people and you look at the people on those leaderboards that have you know, these world records for any percent or all main quests or, or whatever the case is, and you look at all the different routing that they take and all the different choices they make and, and how they solve puzzles and, and solve certain problems. Like I learned some really cool things that have helped me get to places in the game that I didn't think I could actually get to without like Going back and, and taking all of my heart containers and throwing them all into fucking stamina so I could climb this one giant fucking mountain. No, I, I, I fucking pulled a rocket tree out of, you know, like it, that was great. Like I figured by watching that or, or this gap that I couldn't figure out how to cross and there was no metal things for me to, to drag over to it. But then I look at it and I saw somebody doing the shield jump thing and I'm like, oh, well, I could effectively give myself a double jump. And it's like a clever use of mechanics in the game. And, and that's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everything in, in, in sort of in the game, and that's what I love about it. And there are tons of hidden things that still haven't been found. Like, not everything has been found in this game, and I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. It it has quickly become my just, my go-to game whenever, like, if I'm feeling down, I play Zelda Breath of the Wild. If I'm, you know, just want to unwind for a little bit, I play it. If, you know, Tarts doing whatever she's doing and, and doesn't have the the TV, I throw it up on the TV, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll go hunting for shrines and shit like that or, or figure out if I can find a new recipe um, or some weird interactions, which, you know, it, there's some really cool, great shit there. like And the attention to detail is actually really stupidly fun. Um, well, oh, yeah. Did, did you uh, I I'm, I'm don't want to ruin anything for you. Have you already had the final boss of the last DLC spoiled
1: for you or no? Well, I don't know who you're talking about, so we're going to go with no, probably.
2: Okay. I I will say this, though. I won't describe who it is, but during the fight, if you drop a bunch of bananas on the ground, the character interacts with it, and it's not a character you would expect to, and it is fucking hysterical. It was one of those moments where somebody said to do it, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense, and I did, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, the fuck? Okay, (laughs) I will do it then. (laughs) but it's it's weird stuff like that or like you know feeding your horse endura carrots gives it more stamina for a while like yeah weird shit like that everywhere petting dogs like and one of the other cool things that i really love about this game is it exists outside of the normal zelda timelines like everybody's trying to shoehorn it there has been no official statement to it but the more stuff i find the more stuff like this looks like this is the one true timeline And all these elements from all the other timelines are converging and collapsing into this one too. Like I found what they think is the twilight mirror. Like there's a whole quest to it. And I found it randomly while going through uh, one of the coastal regions. And that was epic in and of itself. I find, I found references to the spirit tracks. I found references to a whole bunch of shit from the, the child timeline. Uh, I found a whole bunch of shit to the failed hero timeline, to the successful timeline. Like, there are reference to all of the timelines into this, which I think is interesting because I'm wondering now that there's going to be another Zelda in this sort of theme, which they they haven't really confirmed, but they sort of, they sort of did that they're looking onto the future for the next game. And I kind of hope it continues on. Um, But Holy shit. Like there are so many cool random little things to find that just blow my mind. Like I, I found something I won't, and I, I won't ruin it for you, but go to the top of Mount, Rue. Just go poke around up there if you haven't already. Um, I went up there randomly and I found something that I had no clue was there and it was just fucking epic. And I was sitting there in like, you know, warm shirt and like no pants in the game because I just started. I was like, I'm going to climb a mountain. Fuck it. I'm going to climb a mountain.
1: Let's go find shit. And I found shit. But that's the thing. (laughs) You're rewarded for doing that. Like the game is I keep going back to so well-designed that you can literally, well, I have, sit down and think, okay, you know what? I actually need to work on my armor. So I know I'm going to need to upgrade it. So I need to do this, this, and this, gather these few things and and then head over to the uh, Fairy Queen Enchantress chick and get her to, to, to do that. But it's it was... Again, it didn't feel like it was a chore, and it didn't feel like, say, dailies and well because I know I'm not going to have to keep repeating this. It was just one of those, okay, I'll work on this right now for a little while. Sure. And spend an hour, whatever, gathering everything I need, boost up my armor, and then it's like, okay, now I can tackle some of those harder things I was meaning to do. And then, likewise, I was like, okay, I definitely need to finally freaking upgrade some of these, you know, do some of the stuff for... um uh, at the stargazers tech lab, whatever the fuck it's called there to upgrade the year. She could the Akala tech
2: lab.
1: Yeah. And it was like, yeah. I was just missing a few things and it was like, you know what? Screw it. I need to actually just hunt down what I need so that I can get something. And I did. And it was like fucking game changing. And I was like, Holy fucking hell, this is awesome. So there's all of these rewards for doing any number of things that, that you want to do. Like I was, I was trying to uh, to beat a boss, and I talked to you about it too. I can't remember the name of it now, but it was kicking the shit out of me all the time. And I was saying, all I need is one of those fucking fairies, because around the enchantress, there's fairies, and if you grab them, then when you die, you're brought back to life with full health. And I, and finally, I got tired of bashing my head against the wall, and I could have finished the fight. Just been a lot more patient and watch every single mechanic, try a few different things. But I went, I went, fuck that ported back to the town. Close to there. The shrine went over there, grabbed a whole bunch of fairies, went back, tackled that bastard again and beat him. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, I can take my time and do it this way, or I can take my time and do it this way. My way I thought was more fun and just kind of fuck this shit. I don't need skill. I just <laughs> need to, to have time on my side and I will take it down. And, and I did. I it's, if you're on the fence about this game, it's not often I say it, but it's actually worth full price and worth full switch price, which tends to be a little bit higher as well, just because of the value per hour played. Yeah, my God. I, I mean, Again, there's you're up in the hundreds, and I will easily be well over 100, if not closer to two by the time I, I finally say, okay, that's enough.
2: And, and to put it in perspective, I'm I'm not a person that rebuys games unless I absolutely love them. Like I rebought Shovel Knight three times because I love that game, and yet that was only twenty bucks, and I and plus you know the DLCs and stuff like that. If, if I think it was like thirty dollars on the Switch or whatever with everything included, I still paid that money because I love that game. Yeah, I have bought this game twice over on two different systems. I have purchased all of the fucking Amiibo for this fucking (laughs) game because I love this game so much. And because the Amiibos do some random cool shit in the game. Like I know it's so goofy, but like I have the, the Midna uh, and Wolf Link Amiibo and I get to run around with a fucking Wolf Link in game as my companion. Like I, I, the only one I don't have is the, the link smash brothers one, which I need to get because I can get fucking Epona. And that's the only way to get the real opponent in the game. But like, I'm going to get it because I want to complete this game at 100%, but it's got its hooks into me that much that, like, this thing that I was talking about, never wanting to purchase, never wanting to get into, it got me into because it's just, even the interactions in the game are just fantastic. And, like, it's, it's worth every single penny. And for my money, and I will say this and I will go on record of saying this this is the best Zelda game they have ever created, ever period. Like this is just it's blown me away and I'm a massive fan of the series. So for me to say that over Ocarina of Time, which previously held my number 1 followed by Majora's Mask, that's that should tell you something.
1: It's the same thing I've been telling people. And 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 it's not to diminish Ocarina of Time because I don't think you can um, but it's one of those after 65 hours of this one I'm going, yeah, this is this is better than Ocarina that's a huge fucking statement for a game because then I'm thinking in my head, yeah, but that means that this for me personally is now the best game that I've ever played. And I don't know if I'm at that point, which makes no fucking sense, but that's that just shows how impressive this game is. Okay, let's move away from this now. Nintendo did announce something else and I'll let you take this one, Joe. So this is sort of
2: a weird one, and a lot of people are on the fence about it. A whole lot of people are making fun of it. Uh, but it's a Nintendo Labo, uh, or, or Labo, whatever. It, it's a weird set of cardboard construction-type things that your Switch attaches to for various different projects. Like, And it uses the functionality of the Switch to sort of make these things do things, like make a robot insect thing walk across the floor or to create a flight simulator um or pseudo virtual reality and it's interesting not because you know it's it's going to be these super you know highly glossed cardboard things that you're going to pay a premium for it's this weird idea that has or i shouldn't say weird idea this this core idea that i feel has sort of left the generation of gamers behind When I was at the tail end of it, and and I know Roger will will sort of back me up on this, and Vince might as well. When I was a kid, some of my favorite toys were the make toys, the things that you did things with. Like, I had electronic kits that taught me how to solder or taught me how to do circuits Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I love those things. I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours with those things. And they taught me skills that I use right now, like that kit that taught me how to do circuitry. I use that when I'm working on my guitars. Like... How to craft things, like even out of paper and stuff like that, taught me how to make patterns that I use for costuming and things like that now. Um, those skills have sort of, I don't want to say diminished, but like the kids of my generation and the generation after, those toys sort of disappeared or became less popular. And so I'm not saying that they they didn't learn those things if they really wanted to, but it just wasn't a constant this is something that sort of blends the two and brings it back to that using modern technology with it so that while it's not exactly learning how to solder, it opens that door. You build a cardboard robot as a five-year-old, you might be interested in building robots later on in your life because you, you did this once. Even if it's something stupid that like you just uses the vibration of the Joy-Cons to move left and right, that opens the door, right? That, that sort of gets you thinking. That shows you that there's more out there. And for all the people that are making fun of it, well, congratulations. This isn't fucking for you and move on with your fucking life. Stop making fun of it. Because for every one yeah. of you that's making fun of it, another person's going fucking gun ho about this, or a father or mother is planning a, a project or seeing the opportunity with their kid to experience yes. something deeper and bigger. Sorry, Vince, go ahead.
3: No, just say stop being surprised that Nintendo is making a quirky product for a young audience. I mean, that's kind of what they've been doing for the last thirty-five years.
2: Yeah, we were once that, we were once those kids, guys, like, and, and I say this a lot, it bothers me when people are, like, sort of gatekeepers to things that aren't targeted at them, like, if you're not the target audience, great, move the fuck on with your life and go find something that you are the target audience for, or something that you enjoy, and let people enjoy things, like, just...
1: Go, go on. Just be done. It's funny you're saying that because I actually haven't heard. But then again, I don't go looking for it. And I certainly don't read comments. So, But I hadn't heard anybody saying anything negative about it yet. For the most part, what I had been reading is genuine excitement for just a maker project. And that's what this is. And those kind of things are, while I agree with you, there was a, a, a time gap there where there weren't nearly as many. And yes, there were a ton of that when I was younger because mm-hmm. because we didn't have video games, because we didn't have the internet, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you get a kit, a wood burning kit, which was I think was a mandatory gift by law. Oh yeah. I had, I had <laughs> yep. one. Yep. Everybody <laughs> had to have one of those bad boys, as well as Models and and you name it and yeah there was that period of time where there there weren't many but with now so many videos on demand of people demonstrating different maker projects which are hugely popular when you look at like people like Adam Savage doing them and and a whole bunch of other people then and they've grown in interest and you're getting a lot more people doing it I mean hell Karen my wife and my son have been making these uh, there's new models. But it's a, a thin they're thin slices of metal that you bend and pop together. I saw like some of
3: those. I was gonna pick one up yesterday and until I saw it was like fifteen dollars for a four inch Millennium Falcon.
1: But they're awesome. We are sure we, they are. Yeah, we picked up a couple <laughs> for her and for for Tristan because again it's it's nice too. It's just sit down and do models and it's relaxing. It's great therapy if you're angsty about anything, just kinda relax and build something. And hell, we just ordered her some more. And uh And they're fucking awesome. So, like, I think that as we're seeing more of that building up to the point where you have people in channels, YouTube channels, popular ones, building shit in Legos. You're watching other people building (laughs) Lego things. Not you, other people. And you're like, this is fucking, this is relaxing. It's cool in the chatting. So when I saw those things. I wasn't just thinking I was, of course, thinking of my, my grandkids and thinking, oh, my God, we're going to have so much fun with this. But I'm also thinking about my kids who are now all over 20 who are still like us, like this will be fun to do together in an afternoon and then just dig around for a while with it. And then then it's done. But you've certainly gotten your money's worth in terms of just a really fun afternoon or whatever with whoever you're making this with. Okay, let's move on from there. Vince, it's all on you now because you got a crapload to talk about Final Fantasy fourteen.
3: Oh, yes, uh, because as we were talking about last week, patch 4.2 is coming up around the corner. And last Friday, I believe it was, Saturday maybe, I think one of those days, they all run together. Uh, they had their traditional uh, live letter from the producer where uh, Yoshi P sits down and just goes through the patch, essentially, and tells you all the new features and shows them off. It's a tradition that they do with all the major patches as well as, you know, just kind of in between like check in with the developer stuff. So we got a lot more details on a lot of the stuff coming out in 4.3. Uh, first of all, the main story, like how I was talking about last week, the uh, the the four lords, as they're calling them, with uh, the celestial deities uh, right. are, are definitely going to be a huge part of this. Like they're actually the core storytelling point of this patch for the main scenario quest. And then like the one of the dungeons that they're adding in, in addition to the trials fight I talked about previously with Biako, are going to be revolving around these four lords. Uh Byakko's not just a tiger; he's got some weird, uh, Akira-looking tiger head for an arm humanoid form in the boss fight. It looks freaky as hell, uh, as well as what looked to be a, a humanoid version of Genbu in the uh, the new instance that they added in the the full uh, dungeon run. So it's cool to see that it's not just kind of like a side thing. It's really tied in with the central plot here. Uh, Lots of uh, updates coming to the housing system. They're introducing new plots as well as now adding a restriction that a person can only own one house. So they're hoping that's going to kind of clear up the clusterfuck that has become their housing system, but uh,
1: we'll see. So they would have to essentially sell their older model kind of thing before they can buy another one? Yes. Oh. So wait
3: a minute. You had land barons before, is that what I'm hearing? Oh, yeah. Like, it was a big controversy um, when Stormblood first came out because there, there was this one server. I forget which server it was, but it was a tiny server with, like, no population. So a couple, a husband and wife, literally bought an entire ward of houses for themselves because it was available. And they didn't just, like, go out and buy all the houses. They bought a house, decorated it, and went, that was fun. Let's buy another house and decorate that with a different theme. And over the course of like a year, they bought up all the houses because nobody else was there to buy them. So when they instituted um, incentives for people to transfer to low population servers, people were all pissed off because all the houses were taken by these two people. Huh. When they're like, well, hey, nobody else was here. So what's wrong with that? It's, yeah. not, like we, it's not like we took it away from other people. There were no other people.
1: What's that going to mean now for people being, are they going to grandfather in people who currently have more than one?
3: I I didn't dig into all the specifics, but like if I, I think there's something where a house, when it moves into like reclamation, like you don't immediately lose your house. Like it's going to go into like a, like a, a, a limbo state where, you know, you can get all your shit out of it before it goes away.
1: Yeah. But still. So like they foreclose off. on your
2: house.
3: More or less, I think that's what, what we're going with. All right. There will be drama. Oh, of course there will. <laughs> um, in the last patch, uh, 4.1.5, they introduced a, a new ability for the bards in the game to actually literally play music with the performance function.
1: I saw Ellie doing that when when she mm-hmm. was streaming. It was awesome. And,
3: you know, the, the UI was a little clunky, but they said, don't worry, we're working on it. This is just the first step. So they showed off here, like, there's, like, an actual UI with, like, piano keys with the notes. Like, so you can, you know, it's not just, you know, buttons on your hotbar you have to hit in the right order. You can actually play the music. And in addition to that, because previously it was just a, a harp... They're adding in the grand piano, pizzicato, and steel guitar instruments. So now you can literally start your own fucking band in this game. <laughs> Which, when you think about what we were discussing before ah. about how people have made their own like performance troops and put on plays, this is absolutely going to be a thing. We need a drum player in here
1: now. That's kind of friggin' awesome. Yeah. Right. I'm. I kind of really freaking like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Uh, I wish I didn't have to buy the expansions at that point, but holy shit, I would consider
1: coming back
3: for that. It's not
1: the expansions for me, it's the monthly cost. If it wasn't Mm -hmm. for that, I'd be in there.
3: Yeah, you can actually get the game and the expansions. They're on sale all the time for stupidly cheap. Well, I own the game, I just gotta get the expansions. Mm -hmm. And then also last week I was talking about the Glamour system, about how they're streamlining a lot of that, and there's now actually a mini-game associated with it. In the gold saucer, the game's casino, my favorite place in the entire game. They're adding in a new mini-game called The Fashion Report where it's literally the guild master from the weavers guild in the game will judge your fashion. Every week they're going to give you a new assignment and they're not going to tell you exactly what they want. They're just going to give you like general ideas for a theme and you got to show up with the outfit you feel best fits their theme and they will judge you on it and give you the in-game uh, casino currency as a reward based on how great your outfit is. The deafening silence is kind of the response I was expecting.
1: <laughs> yeah, if Ali were here or sushi, you would have gotten a different.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> people are even smashing. In the fashion fashionistas of Final Fantasy are losing their damn minds, and now because it's tied in with the casino, I've got to get into it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it sounds like it, it, it's not a, a human who's going to be looking at all of these and no, saying that's it's, visually it's, pleasing. It's just going to be a, a mathematical equation that's yeah. given to the computer. That's, that's all it's going to be. So it's not, to me, that doesn't sound like it's, it's because it is an aesthetic, something that is completely subjective and to the eye pleasing or not. Having a computer tell you, oh, yeah, this is great or not, to me, isn't quite as cool.
3: We'll see. I, I have a feeling that the community is going to really love it anyways. This oh, yeah, clearly, yeah. Fabulous ways. And then the last little bit I have here is that uh, they showed off some of the new raid. So, what they did with the raid in, uh, in the Stormblood era of this game is it's called the Omega Raid. Uh, Omega was this super powerful machine that was unearthed back in like literally the 1.0 version of the game, it was a plot point. Uh, It was this machine from the ancient precursor race that was uh, built to fight Bahamut. And, you know, it was a plot point all through 4.0, or I'm sorry, 2.0, and then in 3.0 as well. So in 4.0, like, you finally are able to, like, crack the thing open and see what the hell it is. Like, oh, no, no. This thing's actually been around longer than that. This was here before the precursor race. It isn't even from this world. It's kind of the Final Fantasy version of the Vex from Destiny. In that, instead of doing uh, computer simulations, it's actually able to recreate organic life forms. And as part of what they're doing with the storyline of the raid, it's threatening to destroy the world unless adventurers come and challenge these various uh, creations. Because it's trying to find the most powerful being so that it can evolve into something even stronger. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. The first few bosses in the Omega Delta Scape, which was the first like tier of the raid, were just, you know, dragons and monsters and weird stuff. And then for the final encounter, Delta Scape 4.0, it brought in a being from another world. It was X Death, the final boss of Final Fantasy V. And um people were like oh this is this is really fucking cool, cool. yeah, <laughs> because you know like there there are some other Final Fantasy characters, like Gilgamesh showed up in like one of the side quests, but Gilgamesh has showed up in many of the games, and it's and, like it's always like the kind of like fourth wall winking at the camera, like it's the same Gilgamesh in all the games, <laughs> but seeing like an actual character from a previous Final Fantasy game, like not as like an event like no, no, this was a creation summoned out of the ether. From, like, actually, so, like, I think it even goes so far, so far as to say, like, it's from a work of fiction and I summoned it into reality.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: So, people are really excited to see what's going to be going on in 4.2, which is going to bring in the Omega Sigma tier. The first boss of Omega Sigma is the Phantom Train from Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> I heard about this. You're literally fighting yeah. a train as a boss fight. And I am so disappointed that monks in this game do not have a suplex action. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I remember that. I remember that so hard. Like. Uh-huh. And then they they showed off some more uh, of the uh, the raid stuff. Um, I forget the name, but it was like the demon painting from Final Fantasy VI. Like I remember the painting was of Lakshmi, who was one of the uh, the summons you could get in that game. But Lakshmi already exists in Final Fantasy XIV. But it's the demon that was possessing the painting. And it, it's again, it's a modern-day recreation of the old 16-bit sprite. It looks great. And then the music shifts. And the music in this trailer, don't get me wrong, is fantastic. Their, their composer for this game, Soken, just turns out great track after great track. But then the music shifts into a modern-day reproduction of Dancing Mad. And at the very trail end of the trailer, you get an iconic laugh and a modern redesign of none other than fucking Kefka from Final Fantasy VI, the main villain, one of the most iconic oh, villains in the final in the entire franchise is going to be the final boss of this raid. Of course. It's just fucking cool. People were losing their damn minds.
2: Yeah, I mean with good reason. That's that's a whole whole lot of like quality shit right there. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know what's funny though? <laughs> Throughout all of that, I'm hearing little words here and there going, hey, I recognize that. Hey, I recognize that. Hey. <laughs> However, <laughs> I'm recognizing it only from one source. <laughs> World of Final Fantasy. Fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you talk about Bahamut. I had, I tamed one of those motherfuckers. They were tough. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we'll get you to play another game one of these days, Roger, I promise.
1: I'm not playing fifteen. I don't care fucking how uh, cheap no, it no, gets. I would I wouldn't subject you to that. <laughs> Okay, was that it for uh, Final Fantasy?
3: That's it for Final Fantasy
1: fourteen. Oh, okay. Oh, you've but been playing twelve, haven't you? I had Final Fantasy stuff.
3: Uh, I picked up Final Fantasy twelve. I got between like coupons and gift cards. I ended up getting the Zodiac Age version of the game for literally two dollars. Uh, I've I'm set that aside until I can finish off some other games. So, as part of her streaming initiative, Alicia's been trying out Final Fantasy eleven, the game oh, from. Right, right, right forever ago that uh game, part- so good well so bad so good yeah. so part of the the reason for this is the uh the free company we belong to in uh final fantasy 14 is called the guardians of vanadil vanadil being the world of final fantasy 11 because they were a link shell their version of free companies slash guilds um back in that game and then they migrated over to final fantasy 14 so she's always had an interest in like oh no i want to i want to go check and That game broke me (laughs) to such a degree. It's always been like, no, just, just, just no. (laughs) Constantly telling her horror stories of my experience with that game. But she dove in and, you know, I've been trying to help her out here and there because it's an obtuse game at the best of times. The controls are practically arcane. Uh, Mouse functionality is not really a thing that you can do easily, But, you know, trying to help her out and give her little pointers, I was noticing a lot of the changes they've made to the game over the years to streamline a lot of the more problematic issues. So I might have resubscribed last week. (laughs) (laughs) Because I spent an ungodly amount of time in that game to accomplish literally nothing. But looking at what they've done, I... Now, like, it's not like, oh, I want to go back and play Final Fantasy 11. I just want to go back and finish this shit I was never able to do in the first place. Like, it's, it's like an open wound. <laughs> like, I need, I need closure in this. I need to, to sow some, like, reward for all the time I put into that game without actually accomplishing anything. But I do have to say, it's actually very cool what they've done to this game. Like, in the basically four days that I've played it over the last, you know, week and a half. I've seriously accomplished what took me maybe six to eight months of time <laughs> my first time through the game. Uh, they The me- big thing is they've put in um, the system called the Records of Eminence. It's a lot like the... Uh, what the hell was the book in the first Destiny? With, like, the little achievements you could do? Like, uh, checking off stuff. I forget what it was called. The uh, Grimoire? No, no.
1: The... Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that thing. Where's Marty when you need him? Yeah, I know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Where it was like, okay, you know, you did this and you check this off, you get a cool emblem. And it's a lot like that, except your rewards are, you know, experience and in-game items and money so that you don't have to spend time grinding for gear or gold or endlessly grinding on mobs for XP. Like you have a much more streamlined way of doing this. Adding to this, the new system they put in called Trusts, uh, where you can summon alter egos of characters in the game to essentially build your own party. And it, there's dozens upon dozens of these things, so you can mix and match uh, the classes based on you know what you fit your play style. So the big thing that was a problem in eleven was after level 10, you could do literally nothing in the game without a full party of people. And since gaining experience was such a daunting task in that game, everybody wanted to do it as efficiently as possible. So if you were a class that didn't quite fit into the metagame to do that, you were left out in the cold and stuck mining for hours on end like me. So this allows you to now do pretty much any of the content in the game outside of some very select, like, actual end game areas and PvP and stuff solo because you have a full party of equally leveled and geared NPCs with you where the AI is actually phenomenal on them. Um... I just unlocked one. Uh, She's a samurai. And in Final Fantasy XI, samurais are all built around uh, their ability to use weapon skills very frequently. And there's a system in the game called skill chains, where if two players use compatible weapon skills, you'll get an extra effect on top of that for a lot of bonus damage. So what this NPC does is she'll wait until I use a weapon skill on my own and then go, okay, that's the weapon skill he's using go through, like, her available weapon skills, and then next time I have enough uh, points available to use a weapon skill, she will select one of her weapon skills that's compatible with mine and start a skill chain for me. Holy crap. Yeah. (laughs) And every NPC that you have has different skills available, different behaviors. Some of them even interact in special ways based on, like, in-game lore reasons. So, you now have extra bonuses you have the ability to do things by yourself they've drastically reduced the xp curve to level up as well as the xp you get from enemies for killing the last thing they put in is the uh, a story update called the rhapsodies of vanadiel and this is an entire extra story mode for the game that starts literally from the beginning and takes you like it accelerates your pathway through the game uh, there's a big quest line. Everybody has to do it at level 18 to unlock their support job. So you, basically you can equip two different jobs at once and gain the benefits of both. It was a grind to get the items you needed, but now you just do the first four Rhapsodies of Vanadeel missions and you've got it. Like you don't have to go through. It circumvents this older system that's in the game. Right after that, they take you to one of the uh, older cities that was like really hard to get to. They just literally teleport you there. And now you can unlock the home point there to be able to teleport there whenever you want. As you continue doing these Rhapsodies, you unlock the ability to summon more of the Alter Egos at once. Uh, As you're going through, you keep getting key items that further increase your experience gains. Like, right now, I have a passive plus 30% experience buff for anything I do forever. Uh, So seeing all these systems they've put into the game to really accelerate past all the grindy parts... To allow people just to experience the story of the game, both through the Rhapsodies as well as all of the old expansion storylines, because actually completing those are requirements for continuing in your Rhapsody storyline. I'm not going to like dive super hardcore into this, play it 24 hours a day for months on end, but it gives me a, a step back into that world. And I can actually see these stories that I started all those years ago through to completion. And I really appreciate that.
1: Awesome. Okay. All right, let's move on from there ever so briefly, not just because Marty isn't here, but because we probably are all on the same boat on here. I'm going to guess that none of you did anything for the Destiny 2 uh, faction event that's going on right now? Nope. Nope. I got into it the first day, and while I didn't think that I'd be quite as crazy as I was for the first one, for uh, especially the first one on PS4, and trying to get as much as I possibly could and everything else, I still wanted to get in and Hopefully, uh, do it, and they changed it up again because they keep trying to find a way t- to do it that will maximize uh, playtime. Clearly, so that they get the most people in all the time, and they kind of had issues with the first one because of well because of a fucking cave not the I'm not even talking about the loot cave but the law sector where people were just going through the tunnel until it it kind of zoned out and then turning around and going right back and doing the chest so instead of putting a fucking door there a boulder so people couldn't do that anymore they fucked around with the timers for the loot chests again so that you couldn't just keep doing them quickly to get all of the the items from the chests, and that's where The uh, faction tokens are dropping from as well, not just from shooting the crates, but also from there. The thing is, is that Bungie designed those lost sectors to be very fast for you to go through, rip through to the end, take out the boss, get your chest, move on. And they designed a faction event to force you into these lost sectors. But if you do the lost sectors at the speed with which they designed them and not always the same one, I was bouncing all over the fucking map. Past the third one, I don't even know if you get it on the third one, but for me it was I noticed it after the third one. doesn't matter how many you do, the chest is always going to be empty. So you're literally just ripping through to get the couple of crates that were here and there. There's typically like two or three in a, in a lost sector and then killing the boss or nothing because the items typically are in the chest that you would get as a reward. That was... And I did about a dozen just to, A, test out, and also, again, it was a bad pain day, so I was just sitting down and zoning out and playing. And so I was like, okay, well, let's just see what goes on. I even went so far as to do an event in between Lost Sectors once, and it could have been that it was too quick an event it got done too quickly but the fact remains again they designed the fucking game like this to be fast and to bounce it around and to kill shit quickly and i still didn't get anything from the chest moving forward so after literally the first night i kind of went, well i guess fuck that and i haven't i went back in just to get the what was it um the Zer stuff i literally went in got the Zer stuff and just logged out and, and yeah, like, I'm not giving up on the game. I'm going to keep playing it periodically, but even the milestones for this week, clearly like normally in our clan chat and whatnot, I'm saying my son and I went, we did, took care of the Nightfalls and the crucible so everybody can get their free clan ingrams. Fuck. Clan's going to start getting pissed off at me beginning. Well, both of us, we just, we haven't been doing it. So it, it's very, very disappointing. Yeah. Like, wish I could say I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's close out with a um, a game. I got approached for a key for a game, and then when I did some digging on it, I actually thought it looked pretty fucking cool, and it's right along the lines of shit that I really like. So I said, "Yeah, I'll take a key," and then I got uh, Joe to try it out. And so I'm very curious what you think about it because if it sounds like it's going to be good, it is something that I'm going to pick up to play. So,
2: I trying to think of how to to start this cuz it's Let it's, me
1: be very clear before you even start don't mince words if it's bad it's bad anybody that's approaching us that for keys that's the thing it's we're going to be honest
2: No no it's it, it that's the thing it's not that it's bad it has some incredible potential um and it is very interesting cuz it exists in this point sort of uh, between the evil within inception uh and resident evil so it's got this combination of some fast paced over-the-top combat, which, I mean, it definitely has because you are essentially a souped-up psycho soldier. Uh, I mean, I'm over, overstating it, but, like, you do have access to paranormal powers, um, and they do play out really well. It, it it feels like they were going for almost, like, the uh, infamous, almost, like, it would be the best way I could frame it.
1: Wait, what do you mean by that? Like, gameplay-wise or the story elements?
2: The defeat the, and no, I'm not even talking about the story elements. The story elements are, are like, you don't get a whole lot in the beta. Right, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so I have no idea what the fuck's going on aside from you got experimented on, you have mental abilities that'll let you do some really weird, cool shit. Uh, and then when you dream, you go into a weird state. Um, and that's where they flip the gameplay. Like in your dreams, it's very stealth horror based, and when you're awake, it's very action based. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's
1: it's interesting.
2: Currently, it feels jarring, and I think if they smooth that transition out, it could work really, really well. But it, it, correct me again, if it's I'm not, wrong,
1: but the game's coming out in literally weeks, is it not? If that, I have no clue what the release date is. Keep talking; I'm going to check. Okay, but I mean, like the puzzles
2: uh, are—they are feel like almost like Resident Evil, clunky on purpose, if that makes sense. Um, not insurmountable, but like clever enough that you feel accomplished when you solve them. Uh, but just rough enough around the edges that it's not like this pure uh, sort of like smooth moment where there's no friction. And because it's in that sort of Inceptionist dream state that is the horror aspect of the game, it fits. Um, One thing I will comment that I did not care for is the AI in the dream state seemed to be almost like Outlast turned to 11 as far as its ability to see you. Uh, and I don't know if I don't know if that was just bad luck on my part because I felt like I was being pretty fucking stealthy, but yeah, like it, it, it's got potential. It could be something really cool. I would really like to see I'm intrigued enough that I want to see the full game because I want to see how the story plays into it.
1: This is coming out uh, February 23rd. So there's not going to be a lot of tweaking going on from here to there, except for maybe a few bugs. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, though, uh, and this, of course, does make a difference when you're looking at a game in terms of how much development has gone into it. This is only a $30 game, so it's not a AAA full price game. So you can't really expect that it would have, you know, Prey kind of graphics and gameplay and everything else i and and then I'm, I'm saying that based on my opinions so i don't know if that kind of tilts your opinion as well one way or another either or what say that again all of it <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> Let me say this, it's going to be $30 and it's coming out on the 23rd of of February.
2: I mean, at $30, I feel like I'm willing to take a gamble on it.
1: Which is what I meant, yeah.
2: Yeah, like I'm willing to give it a shot because, again, I can see the potential there. And I will say that for the quality of work that I'm seeing there from a small group of people, like it's very obvious that they, they love what they do. And you can see that in the fact that they're trying to present a a cohesive experience and story. So I'm willing to give it a shot. And I mean, for 30 bucks, I mean, at this point, they've got me intrigued enough that I'm probably going to throw the 30 bucks their way just so I can see what the hell the story is.
1: Yeah, it's going to be coming out uh, Windows PC, Xbox and PlayStation 4. So, yeah, coming out on the 23rd, we will be talking about it again because it's kind of a, a type of game that I really enjoy playing as well. So $30, even if it's not like tons of hours, that for me right now is actually what I'm looking for. Because again, I've got Zelda to sink all my time in right now. So a little shorter 10 to 15 hour game, if that, that's only 30 bucks. Yeah, I would love to do that kind of thing. Okay, so with that, we are actually going to wrap it up for weeks. Thank you very much for joining us. You can, of course, find the show notes at ForTheLore.com, and you can find us on Twitter and Stitcher and leave us some comments there. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually, Joe is Loders at J, Vince is Simodian, Marty, who wasn't able to make it tonight, is Officer Gleason, and I am Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will see you guys next week.
0: Okay, all right, little monsters, I mean students, not monsters, your students, settle it. Let's get started for semester two uh, with Professor Pogue. Now, first, units ZJ J will make a full recovery, they're just in physical therapy right now. They will not be here for the second semester, so I'm in charge, and what I want to talk about, and what matters is what I want, not necessarily what you want, is to talk about the city. For example, We wanna talk about the factions. Not just the ones that we know, like Dead Orbit, or New Monarchy, or Future War Cult, but the Trinary Star Cult. Let's talk about the Concordant. Let's talk about the wars, the Guild Wars. Let's talk about the Faction Wars. Let's talk about the War of Six Fronts. Actually, that's really just a battle, but you get what I mean. We're gonna talk about the Vanguard. Why the Vanguard in charge of the Guardians? What about the Iron Lords? What happened with them? Why is Lord Saladin the only one? Newsflash, he's not the only one. In fact, there have been a whole new series of Iron Lords, but I digress. I'm gonna give you all one opportunity to ask me what you wanna learn about, and I will come back with some information. If you know what you want Professor Pogue to talk about, you can hit me up on my feed, at Officer Gleason, or you can hit at Zen Buddhist, who is the Dean, and you can tell him, I want Professor Pogue to shut up, or I want Professor Pogue to talk about Future War Cult. Just for example, for those of us who don't know all the basics, I'm going to start there today. The basics of the city are very simple. Our governing body, if not our government, is managed by something called the Consensus. It is a group of factions throughout the city, primarily Dead Orbit, Future War Cult, and New Monarchy, with the vanguard as support. In addition to the consensus, there is a public service peace force known as Owl Sector, which we will talk about coming later. This series of governance came about at the end of what was known as the Faction Wars, wherein groups of survivors of the Calamity and the Collapse started to gain power and influence and wanted to control the destiny of our species or what was left of it. And while we will get further in depth of this, uh, hopefully at a later date, uh, the Guardians and the Iron Lords came together and put a stop to this. uh, Because, well, we were killing ourselves. And just because a Guardian come back does not mean that the people that are supporting that Guardian can come back. And so a system was put into place wherein Guardians and and regular, old-fashioned, non-light-powered people could come to an agreement things have not always been so positive. Uh, There was at one time a fourth major faction within the city, known as the Concordate. They were asked to leave, and by asked, I mean kicked out at the butt of a gun, thanks to New Monarchy and their militia forces? If you're a New Monarchy supporter, thanks, I guess? At the end of the day, what we need to know going forward is this. The Vanguard were created to control the Guardians. The factions arose as a combination of both regular old human survivors as well as Guardians who pledge their support to a particular ideology or idea or for payment. And lastly, not every faction is happy with the others. Now, the best part about it all the Concordat is still around. Lysander, is, who was a leader of the Concordat, kind of like Arak Jalal or Lakshmi II or Executor Hideo, is still around because humans post Golden Age do live for a long time, just without, even without the benefits of Golden Age technology. We are seeing the end result of this game play out. And now that we have a future again, What happens in the city matters way more than we've ever given any thought. And I think that now that we have this future, and we've talked about what faces us on the outside of the city, we can do a little bit more and talk about the inside of the city. So your homework. Let me know what you want me to go deeper into. Maybe it's the Trinary Star cult. Maybe it's the heresies of Ulan Tan. Maybe it's even who is Lysander and the Concordat. Or why are the gun manufacturers who want us to leave Earth now have a voice in our governance? Bonus points if you know who that is. Let us know. You can tell my boss at Zen Buddhist at Twitter or me, Professor Pogue, at Officer Gleason. And until next time, my future guardian archaeologists, uh, I want you to write a one-page essay on why the city... uh, What you did over your semester break. All right? Class dismissed. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes, and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.